0: This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome Tia Graham to the show. Tia will inspire you to find the happiness in your leadership so you don't feel overwhelmed and so you can thrive in your career. Tia, welcome. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So I want to share right off the bat with our global audience that you are a certified chief happiness officer, and you've worked with dozens of global companies like Goldman Sachs and Four Seasons and Kashi, to name just a few, to elevate engagement and drive bottom line results. But help us understand, what does a chief happiness officer do? That's a beautiful
1: title. Thank you. Yes, I love it. I got certified in Denmark several years ago. And a certified chief happiness officer uses research to increase the experienced happiness of people while working. So working with executives and leaders and then also team members themselves, um, but specifically focusing on leaders to increase the experienced happiness that people feel while they're working.
0: Wow, that is just beautiful. I'm smiling just hearing that. That is brilliant. Tell us a little bit more about the science of happiness. You know, I think we often take for granted that there is some incredible research uh, about happiness. So this isn't just uh, the emotion as we might know it. Tell us more.
1: Yes. So the science of happiness really started exploding a few decades ago with Dr. Martin Seligman, who was the president of the American Psychology Association at the time. And what it is, is the research and study of people who are thriving, who are feeling more of the pleasant, happy emotions than the difficult, painful ones. And it's also about the research of when people are really happy, what's going on. The neuroscience in the brain, the behaviors, the actions – and I will say it's also about the study of the challenging sides of life. So, when people are really stressed or when you're anxious or all of these different challenges that humans go through, the science also gives proven tools to make the difficult parts of life not quite so challenging. So, it's both the dark and light sides of life. So, we're still
0: navigating a, a global pandemic journey, and happily yeah. things are getting better, but it, it's still very Abnormal, you know, everybody talks about the new normal, and I think actually it's the new abnormal. Yes. And I, I see stress levels heightened, overwhelm heightened, burnout heightened. So how does your work help mitigate that and give people tools and resources so they can thrive?
1: Yes, such a great question. And we're not, yeah, we're not out of it yet, right? And in a lot of ways we're still we're still dealing with so much. So The way that my work, so let me take stress for an example, and overwhelm could be be part of that too, is with leaders and with teams, I will teach them the benefits of stress and the benefits of overwhelm and actually how to reframe it and see it in a positive light. I also teach how to have stress recovery and overwhelm tools, so micro ways, medium and macro ways to recover from stress. And to also change your perception of stress and overwhelm, that it's not just all negative, that your perception of these difficult emotions also plays an impact to how happy and, and successful you are. So I bring in the science and I bring in the neuroscience to have people um, have people feel supported. I, I appreciate that because stress can be good, right? It can be a motivator
0: and you know it's the balance of stress. And, and I'm not saying that things are equal all the time, uh, but I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about how we can reframe stress.
1: Yes. So absolutely. Stress, chronic stress can be very harmful to all areas of your life and your physical health. So what I teach my clients is, You want to have short periods of stress and then recover, periods of stress and then recover. So what does that recovery look like? During the middle of the day, it can be a short walk outside, meditation, listening to music, doing some yoga stretches, talking to a really good friend, and so on, eating really nutritious food. And the the reframe is is that this is not my enemy, that humans have had stress forever forever. We've just gotten progressively worse at recovery. And so if you see stress as in short periods, it can make my immune system stronger. It helps with my motivation and my focus and my cognitive abilities, memory, that there's all of these benefits. Um, and, and what I the reframe I say is instead of saying you're stressed, say you're stretched. You're going to mm. get stronger from this like a muscle. You're stretching, come back. You're stretching them back. What You, don't, you just don't want to stay in a, in a chronic state of stress.
0: And I really appreciate that recovery time. You know, I often think about uh, competitive athletes. They also need recovery time, rest time to honor their bodies that they have stretched.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So tell me a little bit. You mentioned that you were certified in Denmark as a chief happiness officer, and there are Danish, let's call them secrets, right, for really happy employees. Tell us a few of those, if you would.
1: Yes, absolutely. So- one of the danish secrets is a culture of autonomy and trust so leaders leaders in a lot of the scandinavian countries it's the opposite of micromanaging they trust that frontline employees and and different people working in the organization are are smart intelligent and don't need to be micromanaged so one is a culture of autonomy Um, Another is flat organizations, which is kind of aligned with the first one. Instead of this very, very tall organization and there's a lot of bureaucracy, Danish CEOs, and we met with several of them, really try to have as flat as an organization as possible so that information is flowing throughout and there's not, uh, again, things stuck in in a lot of uh, bureaucracy Another is work-life balance. So Danes on average work 37 hours a week, which is significantly lower than in the United States or in North America. And so that allows people working in companies to have more times with friends and family, sleep, spend um, time you know, with hobbies, exercising. And that actually shows that makes them more productive, creative. Um, they sell more. They have happier customers at work. So work-life balance is another one.
0: I love the return on investment, right? This isn't yes. just good for your health and well-being, which I think is is incredibly valuable, but but the business return on investment is clear and you write about that so beautifully in the book. Is there hope for the, the North American counterparts cuz we just have a different mindset and and I um I'm I'm hoping, I'm aspirational that we can absorb this and thrive, but it it's it's tough out there.
1: Yes, it's so funny because my husband is a CEO of a tech company, and he was just saying to me this weekend, I hope the U.S. goes to a four-day work week. I would love the U.S., (laughs) but we were saying, oh, it's never going to happen here, you know, because there's a lot of companies. But, um, you know, although the pandemic has been so challenging, there's also a lot of silver linings. And so from a work-life balance standpoint, having more flexibility, having Companies understand that there's child care um, that, that people need and all of that. it's moving in the right direction. Um, and the, the because it is a you know employees market right now, there's so many jobs, everyone's you know the great resignation now it's the great hiring that companies are focusing so much more on well-being. And so I I think it's moving in the direction. I don't know if, if we'll get exactly where the Danes are. Also, the U.S. is a much bigger country.
0: Good point. Good point. But there is hope. You know, uh, Tia, this is anecdotal. I don't have data to back this up, but my perception as someone in the the field working with coaching clients and with leaders of all generations, that our younger generation, our millennials and now our Gen Zs are demanding work-life balance and well-being, where the Gen X and the baby boomer generations didn't really focus on that. And And I think they've taught... Uh, or we've learned from the younger generation, I'm Gen X, we've learned that, gosh, we can prioritize this. This is a good thing. This is not something that will impact the bottom line in a negative way. So I find that hopeful.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And the way that we've been working, you know, the 40-hour work week is extremely, extremely old. You know, we've yeah. been we've been working the same way for decades and decades and decades. And with technology, with all of the different ways that we work, even for example, Slack, right? There, Zoom, it's it's definitely time for change. This pandemic has just fast forwarded it, but yes, I think the younger generation also cares more about how companies are taking care of the planet, how they are affecting society, you know? So in a lot of ways, um, they're changing business and the way we work for the better.
0: Yeah, Tia, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs send me an email at caroline at com. So Tia, let's focus on leadership and, and why this requires happiness. Honoring your book, Be a Happy Leader, I certainly think we would both agree that it's for everybody, but I'm so grateful that you really taught leaders in this book how to be happy, because I think it it's, can start with them and impact the culture of an organization.
1: Yes, yes. And actually, my first step, I have a eight step methodology to be a happy and successful leader. And the first step is start with you. Uh, someone asked me yesterday, can can you have a happy team if the leader's not happy? And I said, no, I don't think so because of emotional contagion. So um, leaders have such a impact not only on their team members, but on their team members, families. There's research shows. It affects the spouses, the children. And so because of the influence and impact that leaders have, and I also led teams for 14 years in the hotel industry, I'm very passionate about supporting leaders. And I also recognize that leadership is challenging. It's, you know, you have to get all your work done and you're leading all these human beings, which is complicated. And so I wanted to to offer inspiration and then support and proven tools so that leaders could thrive in in their own life and then also with the team.
0: So we need to tend to our own happiness first and then honor the team. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, exactly. So using the science of happiness, using these proven neuroscience tools as well, we have to start with ourselves. It's that age old, you know, you have to put your mask on yourself before you put it on your child on the plane. Same same concept that yeah. you, need to, you need to take care, you need to be whole and well in all different areas of your life to then help the team thrive and to beat your business goals.
0: I love that. It, you know, it's not selfish, it's self-preservation and, and mm-hmm. it's a way to really honor our needs. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more. You mentioned uh, the basics uh, that we hear over and over again, but you talk about the science of exercise in the mm-hmm. brain. Tell us more about that.
1: Yes. Oh, so I read this fascinating book called um, Spark by Dr. John Radian. Anyone that's interested in exercise in the brain, definitely grab this book. So the research shows that if leaders or humans are not moving, if they wake up and, you know, they just start working and then watch Netflix at night, you know, repeat, it's the equivalent of taking a depressant pill. Wow. So there is such a direct connection between how we feel, how we experience the world and movement. We are built to move. And so I I want to challenge and, and inspire leaders all around the world to prioritize movement because it affects learning, it affects memory, retention, focus, um, and and you know, longevity, of course, connecting to to physical health too.
0: And you keep it simple too. I, I know so many people say, oh gosh, I don't have time to go to the gym. Then walk, right? There right. are simple ways to move your body.
1: Yes. It does not need to be a crazy workout class. Yeah. It's like all movement counts. I I, I talk a lot about the blue zones. So the blue zones are the five places on earth where people live the longest and they just move during the day. They're gardening, they're walking. They're. It's not about, you know, a Peloton class. It, it's just moving your body and um and and especially if you can't get outside as well, yeah, so I want to talk a
0: little bit too about food and sleep you know i mm-hmm. I think it's so important to reinforce this message, and you did it so beautifully in the book. Tell us,
1: yes, so I say it is not beauty, sleep, it is happiness sleep so the 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 neuroscientist that I learned from you know very loud and clear that humans need seven to nine hours of sleep a night and On average, Americans get less than six every single night, and there's a lot of people that get less than that. So at a minimum, you need seven for your brain and your body to be operating, to be functioning at its full capacity. And leaders need need to be prioritizing that. You can't catch up on the weekends. It's every single night, you need a minimum of seven hours. And then nutrition, there's so much research on nutrition and happiness. And adults need every single day, five to seven servings of fruits and vegetables. And if you get that, let's say you're not having, maybe you're having two or three now and you bump it up and get five to seven, your stress is going to decrease by 32%. So, you know, in this state of overwhelm and anxiety and, and overwork, you need to be thinking as your food is medicine and your the food you're eating is going to make you more successful at work.
0: That is fantastic. You know, it's been an interesting journey uh, during the pandemic days. And as we've discussed, we're still navigating it. Happily, people are out more and, and trying to be safe and vaccinations are happening. So good things, right? We're moving in the right direction. But you talk about the critical importance of human connection. And so many people really suffered during the heart of the pandemic when we were staying at home, sheltering in place. And a lot of folks have flipped to a digital work environment where they're working from home. So how can we be cognizant about human connection and our happiness? And what does that look like?
1: Yes. Yes, such a great question. Thank you for having it, uh, asking it. And of course, this is one of the main reasons why the pandemic has been so difficult is because we have decreased human connection. So the research shows that human connection is the number one predictor of happiness. So when I get asked, people say, you know, if you could just do one thing to be happier, one thing, what's the main? And I say, increase the amount of time you're spending with your friends and your family. Now, of course, we need to do it safely right now. It might mean over Zoom and FaceTime, but what I want to encourage people to do is continuously Focus on that and try to be present, not looking at your phone, not looking at your email that you are spending time with friends and family, whether it's going for a hike or doing, you know, a zoom with your family or, you know, with your friends, but, but increase that amount of time. That's another thing with that, that the Scandinavians do. They spend significantly more time during the week with friends and family. So it's really, really important.
0: Excellent. I love the action steps here. And speaking of which, you've got a prompt, a leader prompt in each chapter of the book. So tee us up for, for one of those prompts and, and how this book is so incredibly action-packed.
1: Oh, great. Well, yes, I wanted this to be practical. I wanted people to be able to immediately implement what I'm what I'm teaching. And so, for example, one of the prompts is, what do you want to learn in the next 12 months? make a list of all the different things that you want to learn, and then commit to one. And this directly connects to happiness because when adults are spending time learning something that they're passionate and interested in, that's going to increase their happiness.
0: Brilliant. So Tia, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, how has this impacted your life? Because clearly you're a woman full of purpose and drive and happiness. So how has this impacted you?
1: Oh my goodness. I I feel so full of of gratitude and awe and appreciation and you know, I'm I'm part of this movement. I didn't start it. I'm a part of it. There's there's a happiness movement happening, you know, with the start of the science of happiness. And I my my goal is to just touch as many humans as possible and and help them before before I die and I hope I have a lot more years to go. But it is, I just feel, to be honest, very honored to be able to do this work.
0: Well, I am grateful for you, and I have learned so much today, and I absolutely love the book. Let me tell our global audience the title and, and how they can buy it. It's called Be a Happy Leader. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Thrive personally and achieve killer business results. And, of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers, but it's also at your website, which is arrive at happy. Dot com. I'll say that again. Arrive at happy.com. And tell me, Tia, we've also got happyleaderbook.com. So, what's that site all about?
1: Yes. So, happyleaderbook.com has all of the information about the book. And also, once you purchase your book on any of the um, major retailers, you can go to happyleaderbook.com and download. There's three bonuses for leaders. So, I have a one hour course, a leadership workbook. So, even making this more actionable. And then there's also a resource kit where I provide TED Talks I recommend, podcasts and other books that I think all happy leaders should read. So that's that's what that page is for, even more resources. Well, I am
0: deeply grateful for those resources. I am a consumer of your incredible content. So I thank you, thank you. Tia, I hope our paths cross again. What a delight to have you on the show today and I wish you tremendous success for this. And I thank you for all that you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure spending time with you. And
0: if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.